I'm going to use four words as the basis for my message this morning. They were in the first part of verse 6. Um, it starts out, but he giveth more grace. And the four words I'm going to use are those last four words. He giveth more grace. We need God's grace. We need it daily. You know, the government has listed a bunch of vitamins and minerals, and they've come up with a daily requirement that people need to stay healthy. I think grace should be added to that list. For us to stay healthy, I think both physically and spiritually, we need a dose of God's grace every single day. Annie Johnson Flint wrote a song. We actually sang it in Sunday school and opened assembly this morning. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. Now just stop and think about that for a second. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. I mentioned in Sunday school this morning, I'm glad that God's love doesn't have a limit. I'm glad that God's grace doesn't have a a boundary or a measure. Because I'm the kind of person, I use up my limit real quick. I'd use up the grace that if God limited it, I'd use up mine real quick. And I'm glad that he keeps giving and giving and giving again. In fact, the rest of that song says, uh, his, gra- his love has no measure, his grace has no, ma- love has no limit, his grace has no measure, his power no boundary known unto men, for out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Of course, the one that's doing the giving in that song that, uh, that uh, Mrs. Flint wrote about is God himself. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, the Bible says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. The blessings that Frida sang about a moment ago comes from a God in heaven. They come from one who does not vary, who does not change, and who gives us, is the author, and who gives us every good and every perfect gift. There's many kinds of grace mentioned in the Bible. I want to mention four of them this morning. Four kinds of grace that's mentioned in the Word of God, and I want to say a couple things about each one of them. The first grace that I mentioned this morning is saving grace. Saving grace. The grace that's talked about in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, where the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I was a sinner. I was headed for hell. Now, I'm not unique in that because the Bible says we're all sinners. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin, the Bible tells us, is death. Not physical death, but spiritual death. Being separated from God. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they died. They didn't die physically right away, but they died spiritually because after their sin, God expelled them from his presence. He expelled them from the Garden of Eden because they had broken his commandment. 
So I was a sinner, just like you are. I was headed for hell, and I had no hope. There was nothing that I could do to change my destination. There was nothing that I could, could do except to die and go to hell and be separated from God forever to pay for my sin. But God proved his love for me. In that while I was yet a sinner, he sent his son to die on Calvary's tree to pay for my sin. Now, why did he do that? Not because of my goodness. Because the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, all my goodnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of God. Why did he do that? Not because I'm intelligent. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I cannot claim a superior intelligence to deserve God's love. Why did he do that? Not because of my wealth. I was thinking as Frida was singing, I'm not, I don't have much money. Brother Clyde, you need to give that woman some, some of your money. You got it. Take it out of the sock and let her spend it. Buy some new clothes. Amen. Amen. All right. But not because of my wealth. I don't deserve God's great love and his grace because of my wealth. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The wealth in every mine. Why did he do that? It's not because I can do something that he can't. God can do anything. He's an almighty, all-powerful God. Why did God love me? Why did he send Jesus to die in my place? One word. Grace. Grace. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Greater than all my sin. How shall my soul describe it? Where shall its praise begin? I was a dirty sinner, a wicked sinner, headed to hell. But a loving God took pity on me. And he gave me something I didn't deserve. He gave me grace, something I can never pay for. And because of God's grace, I stand before God this morning justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. I stand before him today with all my sins washed away under the blood of Jesus Christ. I stand before him today not headed toward hell, but headed toward Beulah land. Headed toward home. Headed toward heaven. Oh, not, a, not, not, not no, a place of no separation, a place of no tears, a place of no pain, a place where our loved ones that have died and gone before us, there await us. I stand before him today, part of his family, one of his children. Why? Not because I turned over a new leaf. Why? Not because I got baptized. Why? Not because I joined the church. Why? 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 I'll tell you why. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Praise God, and now I'm free. Saving grace, saving grace. Have you taken it this morning? He'll give it to every person. He'll give you enough so that you can know the same things that those of us that are here that have already claimed. No, that we're stand, we stand before God dressed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, our sins covered by his. So saving grace. There's a second time, kind of grace I'll mention to you this morning. It's called sanctifying grace. We read about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace 
abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. It's also mentioned in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. God, listen, God expects his children to act like his children. He expects there to be a difference between his kids and the kids of the world. He expects us to be different. He expects us to be a difference in how we get along with each other. He expects, us to, he expects it to be a difference in how we treat one another. He expects it to make a difference in the desires that we have compared to the desires uh, that, 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 that people that don't know him have. Now, he doesn't expect that to happen all at once. I mean, he, he knows that when we take the saving grace, that we need some time to grow. Just like these little babies that are coming into our church of late. We don't expect them to grow up all at once. We expect them to be little babies for a while. But God, when he saves us, and this is the same thing we expect of little babies. I mean, you have a little baby. You feed them. You train them. Uh, you give that little baby what they need from day to day. You expect that little baby one day to grow. To grow up. Well, God does the same thing to us. He feeds us. He gives us what we need day by day. He expects us to mature in Christ. He expects us to grow up, and he expects us to do good works. He expects us to live soberly, righteously, and godly. That, that song says, uh, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." We ought to have a holy fear of God. We ought to have a holy fear that says, I, I know that God loves me, and, and I wish you all could have been here yesterday. I wish you could have been at our men's breakfast. Not only did we have a, a, a wonderful breakfast, but we had a wonderful message uh, from the Word of God uh, from, from Brother Josh Smith. And I'm, I'm going to have Brother Josh preach uh, Sunday night, a, a Sunday in March, just so you can hear him. But he talked about how we've forgotten that God is our Father. He talked about the, the, the fact that God wants to be our father, and we need to remember that he is our father. And, and as our father, uh, and this was not part of Josh's message, and, and again, it just touched a lot of hearts yesterday morning when he shared from God's word. But he is our father. And just like we had a holy fear of our father, that if we were going to do wrong, we were going to be punished. But the same feeling is that we need to have toward God. He's a loving God, and he loves his children, and he bestows his blessings on his children. But he expects his children to act like his children. And when his children don't act like his children, he's going to chastise us. He's going to punish us. He's going to remind us how we ought uh, to live. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed." The moment you got saving grace, the moment you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, God started giving you sanctifying grace. He started giving you the grace so that you could be what he wanted you to be. 
He started giving you grace so that you can live the way he wants you to live. You see, I, the Apostle Paul said it. Sometimes I know what to do and I don't do it. Sometimes I, I know what not to do and I do it anyway. I can't live how God wants me to live in my own power, in my own strength. But with his sanctifying grace and with the power that comes by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, I can be, with his help, what he wants me to be. And so can you. So can you. Sanctifying grace. Number three, sustaining grace. Sustaining grace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was. But he begged God three times to remove it. And God said, no, I'm not going to remove it. I'm not going to take it away, Paul. He said this, my grace is sufficient. I will sustain you. I will give you what you need to keep going, to, to live with that thorn in the flesh and still do what I've called you to do. I will give you that sustaining grace. A few years later, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul would say, I have not done that with my own power. I have not done that with my own might. I have not done that with my own patience. I have not done that with my own endurance. But I have done it with a daily dose of the sustaining grace of God. There comes a time in every Christian's life, and maybe multiple times, where we want to quit, where we want to give up, where we want to throw in the towel. We get discouraged, and we get disillusioned, we get tired. And God says, my grace is sufficient. It's sufficient. I can get you through times like that. I will give you exactly what you need to keep on keeping on. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. And then finally... Serving grace. Serving grace. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. You see, it's only reasonable that I serve God. In Romans chapter 12, Uh, Paul writes and he says, we need to submit our bodies living, a living sacrifice unto God. And he goes on to say, which is our reasonable service. You see, after everything that God has done for us, it's only reasonable that I serve him. I believe that God has a purpose for every person. I don't believe you were here by accident. I believe that every person here is, is here because God has a divine purpose for their life. He established that purpose before you were born. You weren't born into this world, and God said, oh, i got to think of something for that person to do. He, He had a purpose. He had a reason for your existence. He has something that he wants you to do before you were conceived, before you came into this world. I don't, and again, he has a purpose for my life. He has a purpose for your life. I would submit to you this morning that none of us deserve to serve God. None of us deserve to, 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 to work for him. None of us deserve to be his ambassadors. 
None of us deserve to do what he's called us to do. It's only because of his grace that we get that opportunity. It's only because he gave us unmerited favor that he's made us part of his team, that he's given us an opportunity to serve in his army. He's given us an opportunity to serve him. That is a result of the grace of God, just like our salvation is. Service for God should not be a drudgery. Service for God should not be something that you get up in the morning and say, Oh, i got to serve God today. Service for God is an act of grace where we get up and say, Praise God! I get to serve the Master today. I get to serve the King of Kings today. I get to serve the Lord of Lords today. And if you don't have that attitude, you need an attitude adjustment. You are serving God Almighty. You are serving an omnipotent God. What a privilege. What an act of grace to do that. You know, the last verse of Amazing Grace says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. When we go to that place called heaven, when we walk on that street of gold, when we pass through that gate of pearl, when, when when we come into the presence of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to lift our voice and we're going to sing praises to him eternally. I was thinking about it last night. Why don't we start now? Why don't we start now? I've always said you don't have to wait till you die to go to heaven. You see, the greatest part about heaven is not the street of gold, the gate of pearl. The fact that there is no death and no tears and no pain. The greatest part of heaven is being with the Lord Jesus Christ. As a Christian, you have the presence of God in your life right now. You're living in heaven right now. Yeah, some of the other things will come when we actually leave this body and and go to that place. But you have the presence of God that lives in you right now. Why shouldn't we start singing his praises right now? We're going to do it in heaven I mean, when we come into his presence, I believe what the, the, the author of that song wrote. When we've been there for 10,000 years, we're just getting started. We're going to be singing his praises. And there's no night and day in heaven because there is no night. But we're going to be singing, and there won't be, because there's no night, there's no days. And because there's no days, there's no weeks, and no weeks, no years. And so I don't know how we're going to measure years when we get to heaven. We won't because there will be no time. But I know this. We're going to spend eternity singing his praises. Why shouldn't we spend our life doing that now? You're in heaven already because you're in the presence of God. He deserves our praise. The world needs to hear us praise our Savior. Let's sing for our Savior. Let's lift our voice in his praise. It's an act of grace on God's part that we can serve him. And we need to serve him. So let me ask you this morning. Have you received God's grace? Have you taken his saving grace? You only need one dose of that. One dose will do you. I can't remember. There was a commercial. Brocream, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, Brocream. One little dose will do you. One little dose of saving grace will do you. You say, preacher... I don't have enough faith to receive that saving grace. Yes, you do. Because God says he's dealt to every person a measure of faith. Enough faith to receive saving grace. Have you received it this morning? If not, why don't you take it today?
Why don't you take it today? Why don't you just admit that you're a sinner and need of a Savior and receive Jesus Christ today? Most of us here this morning are saved. And I know some of us, we have pills that we take every single day. I put mine in a box so I can remember. This is Monday, this is Tuesday. We ought to have a box labeled every day and have a piece of paper in there that says, takes God's grace today. Take his grace today, his sanctifying grace, his sustaining grace, his serving grace. Every day, we need it. We need it. And I don't know about you, you know, when I, when I read these minerals and vitamins, and they say this is the minimal daily requirement. I don't like the minimal daily requirement for anything. I mean, can you imagine if there was a minimal daily requirement for banana pudding? <laughs> Frida made a big banana pudding on Thursday night for Senior Saints. There's about that much of it left. She said, Preacher, you want to take that home? I said, yes, I do. She said, it ought to be able to last you a couple, three days. It didn't last an hour. It was gone before midnight on Thursday night. I don't want to be satisfied with just the daily requirement. I want everything that God has to offer. I want it in the fullness that only God can offer it. I want his grace, his grace. Want it, want it, want it. He'll supply it. His love has no limit. His grace has no boundary. Known unto men. For out of the riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for that grace. Thank you for saving grace. Thank you. There's a bunch of people here this morning that's already experienced it. And they know, we know what it is to be one of your children. We know what it is to have our sins forgiven. We know what it is to be one of your kids. You're our dad. You're our dad. You love us. You meet our needs. You take care of us. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for that saving grace. And I pray if there's somebody here this morning that's never received it, that you would help them see, Holy Spirit, they're a sinner. They're they're, they're separated from you now. They're going to be separated from you forever unless they come to Jesus Christ. Help them to see that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that no man cometh to the Father but by him. Help them to decide this morning, to exercise that, that measure of faith you've given to every person, and help them to come to Jesus Christ this morning. Father, many Christians here this morning, what a privilege it is to serve you an act of grace. But we need your sanctifying grace to help us be what you want us to be. We need your sustaining grace to get us through the tough times in our life. Help us to claim that grace every day. You've given us an abundant amount, more than we need. We don't deserve it, but you provide it. Help us to claim it. Help us to be the kids that you want us to be. I pray you'll bless this time of invitation. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. If there, if, again, if there's somebody here that's never received Christ, help them to come as we sing in just a minute. We'll take the Bible, show them from the Bible what it is to receive Christ. Speak to Christians this morning. Do in our lives what only you can do. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.